0: The Church Media Podcast, episode number 56, Leading Creative Teams with Stephen Brewster. Let's do it. Hey there.
1: Welcome to the Church Media Podcast.
2: The definitive podcast for helping you create a dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams in your church.
1: We're bringing knowledge, and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. Show notes for this episode and all
2: archive episodes of the show are available online now at 1230media.com slash podcast.
1: And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media,
0: here's your host,
1: church media coach, Carl
0: Barnhill. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl Barnhill. Thank you so much for listening this week. This is the definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build a solid, thriving media production team at your church. Before we get rolling today, I want to tell you about a new ministry called churchvoiceover.com. It's a ministry founded by my friend Joe Szymanski. Joe is a voiceover artist They can take your video and audio projects to the next level. If you create your own content at your church and you have a voiceover need, head over to churchvoiceover.com, check out demos, and get your project in the works. This is a great resource for you and your church. churchvoiceover.com is the website. This week, I welcome Stephen Brewster to the podcast Stephen is no stranger to the church media world. He is the creative arts pastor at Cross Point Church. He's been in ministry for years. He's a sought after speaker and leader. And today we're going to chat about one thing I'm really passionate about as well, and that is leading creative teams. I asked Stephen about his experience in leading creatives both staff and volunteers. We chatted about everything from setting expectations for your team to understanding the different personality types on your team. Very insightful. This guy is one of the absolute best in our field. Very rich content today. So get your iPad, your Moleskine, or your Evernote out. My interview with Stephen is coming right up after my friend Kim Porter from the River Church shares this week's church media resource of the week. Hit it. (laughs) And now, your Church Media Resource of the Week.
2: Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Hey there, it's Kim Porter from the River Church in Liberty Township, Ohio, with your Church Media Resource of the Week. If you aren't using Planning Center Online, you're really missing out. Planning Center Online has allowed us to keep everyone connected with our weekly scheduling, our service order, as well as given us the ability to upload MP3s and chord sheets for the band all in one place. It conveniently imports our CCLI information, and because we subscribe to Song Select, it even imports our lyrics and chord sheets and the key of our choice. Do you need an MP3 and a different key? Planning Center allows you to change your key up or down to your preference. Team members can sign up to receive emails or text message notification. They can block out their vacation dates and they can customize their availability. This tool has given us the ability to keep our entire team from media, light, sound tech, and band and vocalists all on the same page. Don't miss out on this amazing administrative tool. Go to planningcenteronline.com for more information.
1: More free resources for your team visit 1230 media.com slash training
2: the show notes for this episode are available now at 1230
0: media.com podcast hey guys this week I welcome Stephen Brewster Stephen is the creative arts pastor at cross Point Church in Nashville he leads the creative team in dreaming, creating, executing experiences, and more. He has a background in music marketing and management, artist development, creative team leading, and art directing. Uh, Stephen joins me by phone now. Stephen, welcome. Thanks for hanging out, man.
3: Oh, man, thanks for having me. It's such an honor to get to hang out with you guys today. I'm, I'm super excited, man.
0: Now, we've kind of circled in the, in the same space, but we've never really connected. So uh, I'd love to know about your background. Give us a snapshot of... Who you are? What got you into the the world of of church media and creative arts?
3: Totally. So my parents were missionaries. I kind of grew up all around the world and uh, had was exposed to ministry obviously from birth, um, and was like, "Nah, I don't think that the uh, I don't think that the family business is for me." So I went off to college, and well, I wanted to be the P Diddy of, of Christian music, so um, I jumped out of college my senior year with one semester to go and uh, packed up my car and moved to Nashville to, to try to make it in the music business. And I was uh, really blessed that, like, God opened a lot of doors. and I got to have a really fun kind of longer career in that. But I was always in proximity to my calling but not in my calling. You know, I was working with Christian bands and Christian artists and churches and worship teams and things like that. But I couldn't get away from that 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 nagging feeling of, you should be doing local church ministry. And so um, got a couple opportunities to, to get my feet wet, and then after, after a little while, Crosspoint gave me a call, and uh, I've been here for six years, and I absolutely love it. It's, it's unbelievable to just watch God move in our city. We love Nashville. We love Tennessee. And uh, I love what's happening in and in, in through our church. Been yeah, pretty remarkable.
0: that's such a it's such a creative uh, environment up there. Uh, we work for several churches there, LifePoint and, and others in the community. Um, that uh, man, it's just the it's just ripe for creativity and uh, just a great community, great area.
3: It really is, man. I mean, it's so there, Nashville's a city full of dreamers, and uh, and it's it's really a lot of fun.
0: Now you were saying you lead the creative team at Cross Point Church. Give me an overview of the mm-hmm. of the team that you lead, what the weekly grind looks like
3: yeah so um, so our team is responsible for pretty much everything you feel and experience at at crosspoint so um, we are Sunday programming, video communications, worship um, events and and projects culture of our organization as part of our team as well and um, and so we have a ton of volunteers on our team um, and it's just, a, it's just a lot of fun and then part of my responsibility is also to the executive team at CrossPoint and helping just lead and steer the, the direction of our church as well.
0: Now we both have a similar passion in pastoring and leading creative teams well Yeah, and uh, I'd I mean, love to kind of steer our conversation our time together in that direction uh, today, you guys have multiple campuses across the state of Tennessee and online. Uh, give us an overview of kind of the structure of your team and what role the staff members play, what role volunteers play in your ministry. Kind of walk me oh, through really. that.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, um, where uh, our model is that we're pretty much centralized on Sundays, Uh, and so what that means for us is that we do the same set at all locations, um, we actually have um, one full-time worship leader, one artisan residence, which is like a part-time worship leader role. Um, and then our volunteer coordinator also happens to be a worship leader for us. So technically, two and a half worship leaders on, on staff, and then everybody else is volunteer. Uh, and so um, we do the same sets everywhere. Uh, our team kind of fans out over the weekend, and so the music team, you know, they, there's somebody leading a band somewhere, and worship leaders are everywhere, and we're just just—we're trying to lead our entire organization in worship and create a culture of worship that kind of uh, permeates through our volunteers and out into the community that we live in.
0: Now, you've talked about uh, before about it being the leader's job to set the expectations for your team. Uh, flesh that out for me. What does that look like for me as I lead my team?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that so many times for creative people and creative endeavors themselves, actually, they rise and fall on expectations and expectation management. And uh, so often, I, I think the heart of the artist is pure right? Like, at, at the end of the day, most people who are creatives that are working in church, they want to do the right thing. But a lot of times, the the translation of what the right thing is gets a little bit muddy. And so being able to just clearly define, this is the win, this is the expectation, this is exactly what we need to accomplish, and then helping uh, craft the artist to, to, to do that. And sometimes that means staying out of the way and just letting them do their thing. But I'm I'm a firm, firm believer in expectation management because so many of these kids, especially younger, younger leaders that we get to serve with, they just they want to do the right thing. And as a leader, and as the person who's ultimately going to be responsible if something succeeds or fails, or if a service um, is executed well or not, it's my job to make sure there's clear, clear lines of. Of expectations and and what we want to see happen and um, how we want people to experience each of these Sundays and so we have that's our number our number one job is to make sure expectations are clear and then probably our number two job is to make sure that we're creating safe environments for people to um, execute those expectations.
0: All right, so, but at the end of the day, uh, we're working with creative people. I mean, uh, you know. We are. Uh, so, so, what's the best way? You talked about set, setting expectations. What's the best way to set expectations for a creative mind?
3: So, um, I think first, the first thing is we have to identify what is the strength zone of the creative person. So, like, what is the thing that this person does that, that, that really makes them thrive? And let's feed that. And in feeding that, let's make sure that we um, we define the win really, really well. And so yeah. it, uh, the analogy that I love to use is I, I, so often I, for myself as a creative person, I've experienced this, ex, this moment where I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm shooting an arrow at this target that I really feel like I'm, I'm – supposed to hit, and, and I'm hitting it. I'm, like, knocking it right in the bullseye. And then my boss comes up and says, why are you shooting the arrow at that target? That's not even the target we're aiming at right now. The, the target we're aiming at is 180 degrees away. And you're like, oh. Why didn't oh, you tell me? I, yeah, I, I thought I was killing this game right here, and actually I'm not, and now I'm disappointing you, and now I'm, you know, frustrated creatively because I've been putting all of my effort and time and energy and and, and creative power into this one thing. Yeah. And so because I've experienced that in my life multiple times as a creative person, I was like, you know what, I think there's something to this. So as I started digging in a little bit, it, it's, it's a common frustration that most of us have as artists. And so... Um. I've just worked with our team let's make sure that we are always clarifying the expectations. we're always defining the win we're always pointing people to the right target so that they can they can know this is what I want you to do, this is when I need it done by. Uh, you are the person responsible and assigned to this. You have authority and responsibility here, and I'm going to give you permission to do what you feel like needs to be done in order to execute this and then I'm going to get out of your way and I don't care really how you get there as long as you get there. You might not get there the way that I would normally get there, but as long as you get there, that's what really matters to me.
0: So let me reverse that on you. What if I'm a volunteer or a staff member and not in a leadership role or not in the, I guess, the top tier of leadership uh, in my Uh church? How do I approach my leader to say, hey, I could really use this, this, and this so that I know my target is absolutely clear to me? Like, what's the approach from the staff member or the volunteer perspective?
3: Yes. So I think the first part of the the approach is humility. Um, don't go to to the person that you're trying to get clarity from with an attitude. Yeah. Go as a servant. Hey, I really want to help uh, accomplish the, the the dreams that God's given you or the task that God's put in front of us right now, but... In trying to do that, I'm not 100% clear on what, what you're asking me to do. So can you tell me what your expectation is? What are you trying to see, ha- see happen here? Why are you trying to see that happen so that I can clearly um, share that with our other teammates? Because I think the why is, is super important. And then, um, you know, that, that, that line of communication is going to be so vital to the, the development of the relationship between the volunteer and the ministry lead, or the staff person, and the and the director, um, the people that come and ask me that question on our team are the people that end up winning on our team because they're not afraid to say, "Wait, I want to be a hundred percent sure I'm crystal clear on this, yeah. so that I can make sure that we execute well." Because we're the the truth is we're all we all want the same thing. We want people to experience Christ and and take that next step in their faith journey and. If if we are not clarifying that expectation, then a lot of times we might miss that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and those are the people as a leader that like I appreciate the most, honestly. Yeah, you know, that I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, it just shows me that you want to win with me, that you're in the game yeah. with me. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I really I can appreciate that. Uh, you know, those clarifying right. questions from them.
3: Yeah, totally. And I think one of the things that's really important too as a leader is when sometimes when we don't hit the expectation to do a little self-evaluation, how much of that do we need to own?
0: Yeah, were we not
3: really super clear in what we did, what we were trying, like, trying to get the team to accomplish? And, and owning that and, and being able to uh, humble ourselves a little bit to say, wait, maybe I didn't do as good of a job clarifying that as I thought I did. Because yeah. the pace that we serve in in ministry is so fast. Sunday seems to always want to show up. And because of that, I think that a lot of times we're going so fast that we may not be super clear.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what are some ways, uh, you mentioned this a little bit, what are some ways to let creative people be creative and, and give them the space that they need to, to create?
3: Yeah. So, um, you define the win, give them the expectation. That's the first part. Then the second part is you invest in the relationship. So that you need, they need to know that you trust them, uh, Creative people are creative because God made them that way. And very few times in life have they done things the quote-unquote normal way. Like they're not going to be the person who uh, is going to necessarily have always fit in or has done things A to B to C. They might go A to L to C to E to Z. But if they're clear and they're getting to where you want them to go, a lot of times, if they feel like you trust them and that you are going to create a safe environment for them to work and to do their art and to create, then it's going to help them be their best and be be who really God's called them to be.
0: felt like I was in counseling there for a second. He's talking about me. That's me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, secretly what you don't know is I have— Aspirations to be a
0: counselor one day. Oh, there you go. All right, so uh, I've heard you uh, talk before about uh, offering suggestions to creatives, not mandates, uh, you know, that creatives kind of flourish. When you give them a goal, like you said, and then let them fly instead of saying this is how you have to get from – you have to go A to B to C. You have to follow this process. Um, Right. they, They might be frustrated if you mandate that. Unpack that for me.
3: Well, yeah. So uh, great leaders or great creative people, they want to be given the challenge, and then they want to be trusted to execute the deliverable. And so, so often I feel like uh, the leader becomes the leader because they're really good at what they do, right? And so they think that their way is the only way. And I just feel like, so, like, in my experience, God moves and things get better when we create inside a community and so if I come and say hey I got this idea here's what I'd like to see us do here's what I think needs to happen and then I let other people contribute to the process it only makes it better it only enhances what's actually happening as opposed to me saying hey you're a really talented artist you're 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 gifted you're a lead in what you do but I don't want you to use that eliteness. What I want you to do is actually do it the same way that I've always done it over the last 20 years. And, but I want it to be new and fresh and cool at the end. And I just don't think that equation probably works out.
0: So what, what would you suggest to leaders that are, I guess, in love with their process? You know what I'm saying? Uh, how would you uh, encourage leaders to let go of that and mm-hmm. just just focus on, hey, when you give your team a task, be in love with the end result and make sure you get there but not be tied to your process, you know, process. it's my way or the highway. How did, so what would I you encourage that, leaders?
3: Yeah, so let's start off with a project that's not high visibility. Like if you've been a leader who has really tried to control the process and you've controlled the process for the last 10 years, let's not, like, let's not turn Easter over to them. To do it their own way <laughs> yeah, let's 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 gently wade into this together and let's build trust with each other so hey here is um what i'd like to have accomplished now i'm going to let you take that project and i'm going to trust you to run with it you come to me with any questions you have anywhere you need clarity i want to be a resource to you but i want you to deliver this on this date at this time and this is what i'd like to see happen and then you let them go do it and then you're going to see the, the, the people that God's put in your world that have the ability to do that. And then you're going to see the people who don't. And the people who don't, that's where you get to like actually pour in and develop a, an artist as opposed to just dictate to an artist. Uh, and then the ones that are able to do it, now you're able to give them the next project, the bigger project, um, the more volunteers to manage and those kind of moments. And and what happens is all of a sudden the tide all the way around the creative team starts to rise because now there's more people that are able to do more things. We'll be able to create better stuff. And all of a sudden, we're starting to, like, really be innovative and, and, and deliver on the message and on the, um, the moments and create wow experiences to people that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do if we only followed one formula to get us there.
0: And I think that, uh, like me as a creative, I'm going to flourish in that environment where you're just going to let me uh, think and create ideas, and as long as we get to the end goal, my leader's happy, but it also gives me the freedom to be the creative that I am. So, you know, I appreciate that, being able to fly and flourish in that process. Totally,
3: and and there's a responsibility for the artist in that, too. You know, like, it's not just the leader. The artist has to take ownership in that, and they have to be hungry, and they have to be humble, yeah. and they have to use they have to use their EQ as much as their IQ, and making sure they're keeping people included in the process, and they're they're reporting back what's going on and how it's developing, and all that kind of stuff.
0: All right, so this can get a little messy in the process, okay. so uh, so it might be a little chaotic. So uh, you've talked about this uh, concept of healthy chaos uh, for a team. Yeah. Uh, talk, talk talk through that for me.
3: Okay, I think that routine is the novocaine of the creative process. And so a lot of times, again, our pace is so fast that we'll fall into the fastest or easiest way to create something, and it'll become become production more than it is art creation. Mm. And so I think that sometimes it's really, really healthy as a leader to just give our systems a little shock, create a little bit of chaos, uh, go in and maybe change something that we don't like. We've always done it this way, so let's change it just to, just to, for the sake of changing it to see what could happen. Or, um, you know, uh, we've always done video this way. We've always shot it this way. What if we went and found two new ways to shoot it? Or we always use this type of music bed. So instead of using that music bed, I want you to use I want you to pick use this music bed, and I want you to create the video based on the vibe of this as opposed to the vibe of that creating some healthy chaos, chaos that, um, that stretches an artist to grow and develop and do something they haven't done before or in a long time is really, really, really actually a, a good and healthy thing. Now, chaos that just is there to frustrate them and isn't, isn't, there's not a clear why behind the, the reason we're doing it, that can be unhealthy. And so uh, we've all been in those environments where things just change all the time because it's the whim of the person who's responsible. But if there's intentionality behind it, and there's, it's done in a healthy way. It's done in a way that that protects the artist, but also creates an environment for them to do something that is going to make them better. That's a really good chaotic problem that uh, sometimes we have to create.
0: So uh, tell me, so if I'm a volunteer or staff member, and I constantly butt up against a leader that's not communicating clearly, that is just chaotic, just for the sake of trying something new, but there's no clear why. Maybe uh, answer this. When is the time to get out or when is the time that, you know, the frustration level hits its uh, extreme? Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it makes total sense. Well, you, the time to not get out is Sunday morning right after the service.
0: <laughs> I'm out of here. Not, Bye.
3: That's not the <laughs> moment to eject and not during the service either. Um, Thanks for clarifying that. That was really good. Yeah, I mean, I just, just in case any. I, I, I think we've all been there before. Um, take 24 hours and let it breathe for a second. Yeah. And then go have a conversation and approach the, the conversation in the right way with the right attitude. Give them a chance to explain. No leader is perfect, no ministry team director is perfect. Give them a chance. Give them a chance to explain. um there are going to be seasons of unhealth in every relationship. That's okay. When it becomes a pattern or becomes abusive, that's when it's not okay. And so go to them and have the conversation. Hey, I'm, I feel like this was weird and I'm having trouble with it. Can you maybe explain it to me a little bit? Can you help me understand why it got so chaotic for that season? And then hear what they have to say. Okay, great. Now for me, that wasn't, like, an amazing moment. So if there's a way that maybe we could, like, avoid that in the future, <laughs> uh, that would be super cool. Um, but then if it if it just keeps repeating itself over and over again, there's probably actually, like, a deeper problem there, a deeper issue that we need to make sure that we're not putting ourselves in unhealthy environments.
0: Right. God
3: does not use safety or comfort to grow us or stretch us. That's just not the way that I think I've ever understood it to be, even in the Bible, but what I think that it provides is the opportunity for something really beautiful to happen when we have healthy, honest conversation.
0: So what about that staff member that is kind of to their limit or bored in their position or, you know, kind of drained? How do you fuel their uh-huh. tank?
3: Oh, man, that's a, that's a big question. I, so... I think there's a couple ways. First off, I think you know, go back to that thing. If, if I'm if I'm that person, what was what's the thing that, that the reason I got into this? What made me excited about this in the first place, or what inspires me? Do, what do there's like for me personally? There's a couple things that I know inspire me. Like if I go and just get into nature for a little while, or if I listen to music, I, it's going to inspire me. Um, then that that's one way. A, another way is understanding that, like, boundaries are actually healthy. And so if you're bored, there might be something that you take a a minute, push back for a second and go, wait, I've done this this way for this long. What if I did it different? Or what what am I missing that I could do? What's the next step in the process of doing this? Um, And and a lot of times that means it's going to create some work. But creative work is what is going to stretch us and, and refuel us. So let's find that work and, and dig into it so that we can um, be our best and, and try to get out of that bored or, or um, non-inspired season.
0: Now, a few weeks ago, I, uh, I talked with uh, Stephen Shedletsky, who is um, from the company Start With Why, a guy named Simon, uh-huh. Simon Sinek did the uh, like the Golden Circle talk. I was a few yeah. years old. Okay, so uh, we talked about how important it is for teams to have vision, to know the why behind everything that we do. And we've talked about this even in this conversation. just kind of weave through our conversation. And I, I think this is especially true with creatives. And I'm that way too. If I know why uh, I'm doing something, I can jump onto that vision and I'll do whatever it takes to get there if I'm very clear on The why so what's your take on creative people knowing and understanding the why behind a project or behind a a certain um mission or or uh you know situation yeah
3: i think it's vital i mean that's my take is that that there's no there's no better fuel for for creative projects than than clarity on why and um you know, obviously the the easy go-to is, well, the biggest why in the work that we do is helping people connect to Christ, and we can't let that become a cliche. Like, that's life-changing for somebody, and every Sunday there's the opportunity, or every day, really, but we, we craft these experiences on Sundays to help people experience something that maybe they haven't been able to experience on their own, and 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 that's a huge why. But then there's also second and third level whys that that are equally as important based on the organization that you're in. But if you want to get the best out of your people, let them get some ownership of that why. Like, let's identify how they can put handles on the why and make it practical to the work that they do Monday to Friday or Saturday to it on Sunday. It's just
0: amazing. I think you bring up a good point in that it is kind of the go-to answer, you're doing this for Jesus, or you're doing this so that people see Jesus. But I agree with you that I think that we need to dive in a little deeper to that and say, well, how was this life changed because of you doing this project? Uh, all right, so uh, for instance, with, with the volunteers that, that I've led, I would actually physically take them at the end of the service, if they're not uh, directly involved with the last song or whatever, I would physically take them to the uh, room, the counseling room, the prayer room, the whatever that room is at your church, uh-huh. and actually let them witness conversations that are happening that they're talking about life change. So they're actually seeing you know, the the lady crying that her marriage is falling apart. They're seeing the guy totally. over here getting, giving his life to Christ. They're feeling that. They're hearing that. You know, that that to me was so just powerful. And to go, hey, yeah, you're a pro-presenter operator, but you're, you pushing the buttons fed lyrics to that man sitting right there to, to sing praise to God, to give him words to connect with with the creator. You know what I'm saying? So taking the the Jesus answer further, what's your, you know, what's your take on that? Yeah.
3: I I mean, so one of the things that we do with our team is uh, we intentionally don't create really comfortable green rooms because we feel like that the most important thing that the production team and the worship team can do is be in the lobby and in the auditorium meeting people and hearing their stories. And So I love the idea of taking people into those rooms and letting them see practical ministry happening. What 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 really starts to fuel the why for some of our volunteers is when they're sitting in the lobby and that girl walks up and just starts bawling because when yeah. you sang that song today it uh it it, it moved me and I, and I had this experience. Yeah. Well, now that that never happens when we're sitting in the green room sipping a latte, you know. Right. So when you're in the when you're worship leading starts in that space and we always try like we've had a fun time building a a culture where our production teams and our worship teams kind of do life together and so they'll they'll be in a little huddle they'll be like there might be two musicians and, and two production guys and when they have that conversation everyone gets to experience that together and they get to experience that that win together and it's just it's it's so much fun to watch people uh get free from the things that have been holding them back
0: and I think we celebrate the wins together too. You know what I'm saying? Like if we're yeah, if we do absolutely. life together, we're hanging out. We're we're doing ministry together on a Sunday that we're not. The band's in the green room and the tech guys are in the control room, even in the downtimes. Uh, but we get to interact, and we I think in that way we we see the wins and can celebrate the wins together. So so what are some ways that your team either celebrates wins or also uh, coaches up failures?
3: Yeah. So we celebrate wins um, a lot of different ways. One of the ways we do it is in our all-staff meeting every Tuesday, we have lunch together as an entire organization, and we share the best ministry stories we can find from the weekends. And and that's probably one of our favorite times of the week. It's just so much fun to hear those stories. But then as a team, we do the same thing. So when we have our creative staff meeting, um, we'll sit around and say, okay, what, what stories happened over the weekend? And we'll hear about this person or that person's life change, which is really awesome. We also have, we call it the dream team text. So everyone on our team that's on our staff team, it's, it's a very annoying and obnoxious text thread. Um, but on Sundays, we're sharing those stories in that thread. And and, and that's given, given each other fuel to, to keep giving our best. Um, another thing that we talk about a lot too is that it's never just another Sunday. That, Every Sunday matters, and to be alert today. Bring your best energy. Bring your best effort, because it's somebody's first Sunday, even on that holiday weekend when nobody else is around. And so just anything we can do to keep stories in front of people, we're, we're doing it all the time.
0: What about failures? You know, if, if something oh, yeah, totally failure. went wrong. Yeah, no, you're, you're fine. Like, yeah. uh, how do you – what's the best way to coach up in those moments?
3: Yeah, so um, – if it's a critical failure, like something massive, we fix the problem right then, and then as soon as the service is over, we'll, we'll try to figure out why that happened and resolve it. If it's a non-critical failure, just something that just didn't go the way we planned, we'll probably wait till Monday just to let the temperature cool down a little bit. Um, we set a very high level of um, excellence for the experience. So when something doesn't go well, people know instantly like, oh man, I really kind of messed that up. So um, we're going to talk them through, hey, this is, this didn't work. Can you explain to me why? Let them explain why. Okay, great. How are we going to prevent that in the future? Okay, clear. Thank you. Now, this is why we can't have this happen, because that distraction could keep somebody from connecting to Christ or whatever. And we try to, to make it non, as non-emotional as possible, as factual-based as possible. Um, we don't always get it right, but, but uh, most of the time, the team does a super good job of, of keeping it non-emotional, keeping it fact-based. Because we know that at the end of the day, everybody's goal is the same thing, and we're not, we're not trying – no one's trying to sabotage the service, I hope.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um- uh, talk to me about personality types. We all have different personalities. Yeah. What Now, you, you've kind of pinpointed uh, the different personality types on a creative team. Kind of walk yeah. me through that and and how to minister to those different personality types.
3: Yeah, so, you know, um, I, I, this is a lesson that I actually learned before I got into church. I, just watching some of the great uh, creative teams that I got to work with, they all had the same – personalities hovering in their ecosystem somewhere. Um, there's eight that I've identified, and that doesn't mean that you have to have eight people. Some people might have two, three, or four of them. But uh, actually, you could have five, six of them, I guess. But uh, I think they're all vital to have in order to create a full and healthy team. So really quickly, the conceptualist is the idea person. They're the fire starter. They're the, the person who is the um, think tank expert. They are going to be great at giving you a fire hydrant full of ideas. As great as they are at coming up with ideas, they're equally as bad usually at executing any of those ideas. So as a leader, they become the over-promise under deliver person that you want to really try to help manage. Um, the second one is the enhancer. They make ideas better. They also infuse DNA of your organization into ideas. Uh, so... They're super valuable. to have. Like, we've all seen Hillsong do something cool and thought, man, how do we do that and still make it feel like Crosspoint? Well, the enhancer has the, the answer to that code. Um, the, the downside of the enhancer is that a lot of times they might think that they're a conceptualist, and their ideas aren't actually that good. So valuing them as, as the person who makes ideas better or infuses DNA into ideas will help them stay in that lane. Uh, the architect is the craftsman. They're the, the, the person who they hear an idea and they know exactly what to do to make that idea come to life. Um, every team needs this. The conceptualist needs this the most. Um, but I think every team needs that person that knows how to move the idea forward. Um, the downside of the architect is that a lot of times they'll overwhelm the rest of the team with the details. And so uh, as a leader, we have to make sure that they're, they're investing and they're getting people moving in the right direction, but they're not overwhelming the team with all of the details that most creative people don't get into anyway. Uh, the fourth one is the pioneer. They're the next, next, next person. They're the tastemaker. They're the cool, the cool kid. They're the person who knows every song and video before everybody else. They're going to stretch the creative team to, be, to take chances and do things that, that they haven't done before. Uh, they want to do something that's never been done before. The downside is that a lot of times they'll – They get so bored with what's popular that they'll move on and leave the mass behind. And the truth is that the majority of our church lives in in the mass. And so as a leader, you have to let them stretch the tent, but not stretch it so far that it pulls us out of alignment. Um, The storyteller understands how to weave narrative into every project that they work on. If it's an employment manual or a live experience, they understand how to tell stories inside of those things so that it... um, helps get sticky for people. The downside of the storyteller is sometimes they'll deep dive so deep into the story that they'll forget the action point or why we're doing it in the first place. And so as a leader, you have to manage that they go deep enough to tell the story really well, but not so deep that we lose the purpose behind what the story's for. The sixth one is the performer. And uh, performers, I, I, I tend to usually lead with the negative on this one. They're perfectionists. But that perfection is a gift. And so they're going to see every distraction. They're going to see every um, opportunity we have to grow and get better that may be keeping somebody from connecting with Christ. Uh, and so their gift is their curse sometimes as well. And so they, they may not take as much time to celebrate a win because they're always on to the next thing. But a, a healthy performer is going to help raise the bar of excellence, continually raise the bar of excellence inside of our creative team. Um the seventh one is the antagonist and obviously we know who that guy is right now right like he's the guy that always tells you why your ideas won't work but a lot of times because they don't get emotionally attached to to ideas they actually will save us from executing bad ideas or poorly executing ideas because we've fallen in love with them mm-hmm. and that I think that happens to every good artist from time to time then the last one is the curator they see the big picture they understand how ideas can kind of, like, weave together over the course of time to, to, to be the best. The downside of the, poor, um, of the poor curator is when they say, oh, I don't think this idea is right right now. Let's do it in six months. And then six months from now, they execute an idea, and the idea fails. Everybody in the team is like, we would have done it six months ago, it would have been awesome, which, of course, is probably not true, but there's no way to prove that. So they live completely open and out. With their giftings so that's kind of the personality types i call them the flavors of a creative team that when they're all representative and when you have that decoder ring you can make some really amazing stuff
0: so do you have any tips on how to use your decoder ring like how do you figure out their personality
3: um i think i think uh that you start to identify once once you have been exposed to the different personality types and and you, like someone explains them to you, all of a sudden I've noticed that people just start, I don't, there's no test that's been developed. But you, start, you hear the guy who, who spits off every idea or over promises and under delivers, and you're like, that guy's a curator. Next time I'm doing a brainstorming session, I need that guy to be in there. Um, then the architect, they're the person who, they go, hey, we had this idea. We still need to do this and this and this in order to get it to happen. And you're like, oh. Man, that's the architect. I don't need them in the brainstorming session, but I need them there right afterwards to take this idea and move it down the line. And and so once you've been once you've been exposed to these personality types, I've found and, and, and some of the people that I've kinda coached through this process have found that you just kinda start creating a spreadsheet and you're like, Oh, curator, oh, enhancer, oh, antagonist and then you kinda create a little playbook based on the people that are around you and you know who you need to bring around an idea, depending on what you're deficient in.
0: Well, dude, thank you so much for sharing this stuff. I know that you've been, uh, you know, speaking and coaching lots of teams on this content. So thank you so much for sharing, uh, it it with us. What should, what should be our, our next steps, uh, in how we see and, and develop our teams?
3: Well, I think you never go wrong as a creative leader in remembering that, Um, the creative part of being a creative leader. And so there's a reason why you've been given the team that you've been given, Um, serve them well, make them feel safe, make them feel protected and and be an advocate for the art that they're trying to create. And I think anytime that we do that, we can really move forward really, really fast. And uh, that's, that's kind of the hope that I think we all have, right? Like that, that our teams create something that, that moves people forward, moving forward in a fast way, and is really, really kind of fun and cool. And so create environments where artists can create and where they feel safe and invest in those relationships because the most important thing that you can do as a leader is is develop people.
0: Yeah, we say that all the time, too. The number one thing is to pasture your people well. Um, yeah, and absolutely. So, so, yeah, absolutely, That that the people are number one. Uh, well, man, thank you so much for, for sharing that insight with us uh, today. What's some, give us some ways to follow you and, and CrossPoint. How can we stay connected yeah, with you guys? Yeah,
3: totally. So uh, my website is um, it's on my blog, and it's stephenbrewster.me, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R, dot me. Uh, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R. And uh, I'm on Facebook as well at Brewster.me.
0: Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you so much. And, uh, man, when you have, uh, you know, something else, some new content, I'd love to to have you back on and and share that. And, uh, man, if I get, get up to Nashville, I'd love to come hang out. Oh, let's do it. That'd be so much fun. I'll take you to all the coffee snob places. There you go. All right, man. Have a great day. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Thank you. Have a good day.
1: More church media training coming up after this incredible resource
4: from this week's sponsor. Picture this. You're watching a video. Maybe it's from a church. Maybe it's a sermon promo, announcement. doesn't matter. Stunning videography. Epic sound design. And then the voiceover comes on. As human beings, connection is so important. Our small groups are exactly what you Fact need. is, a bad voiceover can turn an otherwise great video into a drag within the first few seconds but it doesn't have to be the weak link. This is Joe from churchvoiceover.com. I've been doing voiceover work full time for about 10 years now, and I've worked with a a lot of church media directors who have a hard time finding top shelf VO at a price they can afford. So I started churchvoiceover.com to hopefully connect us. Now I know you have some amazing stories to tell, life-changing moments, maybe something funny and offbeat, the next viral video perhaps. Here's some of my recent projects for churches like yours. So you've been coming to church. Maybe you even serve. You sit in a row almost every week. But now you're ready for something more. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Thank you for listening to audio from Lancaster Community Church. Feel free to share this message, but please don't change or alter the content in any way. How is it that a book that's over 4,000 years old is still important today. So there you go. Check out churchvoiceover.com for more samples. And whether you need a voiceover for a single project or maybe you'd like to team up weekly for pre-service announcements or social media promos, we'll do our best to uh, work within your budget. That's churchvoiceover.com. Let us help you take your media department to the next level. Have a topic or question for the show? Shoot us an email now at info at
1: 1230media.com. Back to your host, church media coach Carl Barnhill.
0: Well, that is a wrap for us this week. For complete show notes, transcripts, and more, visit 1230media.com forward slash podcast. You can click on episode number 56. Also this week, we've placed a couple of free PDFs and a free video of the content that Stephen shared today. So be sure to check that out. 1230media.com forward slash 56 We'll get you there directly. Next week on the show, I welcome my buddy Luke McElroy back to the show. He'll be joined by Nick Rivero, and the three of us are going to chat about Salt Nashville. The conference is only a few years old, and it's become a premier event in the church media space. If you haven't gotten your tickets for this year's event yet, be sure to grab them up. I'm going to chat with Luke and Nick about what you're going to see at this year's conference, who is coming, what breakouts are available, and how you can get involved in the community. We'll break all that down for you next week. This week's episode of the show has been sponsored by Churchvoiceover.com. You have a story to tell and they can provide the voice. Check them out today at churchvoiceover.com. Now, if you would like to sponsor an upcoming episode of the show, head over to 1230media.com forward slash advertise and we'll chat with you about sharing your product or your service on the show. Now we screen all of our sponsorships and partnerships. We're only giving you the best of the best, people and companies that we know and trust to make your job at your church easier. So be sure to support guys like Joe Szymanski at Church VoiceOver. He's in business for you. also want to thank David Michael Hyde for his incredible work this week. David is a composer and producer for film and digital media. You're not going to find anyone better for your audio needs than this guy. Visit David at davidmichaelhyde.com for help with anything related to audio, davidmichaelhyde.com. Take a minute today also to rate and review our podcast in iTunes. We sure would appreciate that. And as always, thank you for listening this week. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this Sunday. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast.
2: Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes.
1: Catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.